All right, to quickly review today, we are in part three of a series called Stuck, and what we've been saying is no one likes the feeling of being stuck. And that's why we've been so irritated and so annoyed by, the, by what's been happening with the pandemic, because we feel like we're stuck in an area that because of something that's completely beyond our control. But what I've been trying to poke at and what I've been trying to hopefully kind of annoy us into, into understanding is that all too often we let ourselves get stuck in areas that are absolutely within our control. And so we're trying to talk about how, how to get unstuck because chances are if you got yourself stuck or if you allowed yourself to get stuck, the good news is you can follow Jesus into getting yourself unstuck. You can follow Jesus into getting yourself unstuck. And so we've been talking about in different areas of our life, in our spirituality, in our maturity, we've been talking about ways to get ourselves unstuck. And today we're going to talk about the third and final way, the area that we can get stuck in so easily that's within our control, even though it feels like this one might be a little outside of our control, and that's in our emotions. Can we all say emotions on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Emotions. That's right. And let me tell you what just, what just happened in, in living rooms and bedrooms across the city. Ladies were like, oh my gosh, turn that up because I want to hear about emotions. And guys were like, I can't click out of this video fast enough. That's what, that's, that's what happened. The talking about emotions sends men and women in vastly different directions when it comes to talking about emotions. We have much different, we have very different reactions to the idea of talking about emotions. So really quickly, let me tell you who needs to hear this today. If you're a lady, you need to hear this today. If you're a dude, you need to hear this today. How's that? If you're a lady and you love talking about emotions, you need to hear this today. If you're a guy and you're not even sure if you have emotions, you need to to hear this today. If you're living and breathing and you've been alive through the pandemic, you need to hear this today. If you're a human being who has had any feeling and emotions bubbles to the surface over the last few weeks and months, this message is for you. So let me just acknowledge something really quickly at the beginning of this that's important to acknowledge. All of us are living through a time full of big emotions. All of us all of us are living through a time and living through a season, living through a, an age that's full of big emotions. Here's a few examples. Some of you, you felt intense loneliness as, as, as you've been forced into kind of like isolation and social distancing and you haven't seen people that you know and that you love and care about. Some of you haven't seen family members in months and it's, and it's showing as you felt in, intense loneliness. Some of you, you felt powerless as you felt like the events of life began to have more influence over you than the than you had over your own life. Some of you felt real fear as, as you began to understand and, and, and look at what the what the financial ramifications could be of, of, of shutting down businesses and losing work. And some of you, you felt that very real fear as you opened up your 401k and looked at it and saw what happened to your retirement back in March. Some of you, maybe you felt jealous of some other people who didn't lose their jobs or people who didn't have to stay in inside because of age or underlying health conditions. Some of you, maybe you felt, and this is going to be maybe funny, some of you felt insecure because for some people, they have really beautiful eyes, really pretty eyes, and the mask mandate works for them, but it covers up your best features of your cheekbones and your dimples. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose influence and I can't show my best features. And I just want to say, because that's what we're all concerned about with the mask mandate, right? That's what, that's what everyone's really worried about. Don't worry, us pretty eyes people, we will be generous and merciful overlords. Don't you worry about that. Some of you, you have felt deep sadness because of things that got canceled that mattered to you. We are living in a time that is full of big emotions. And whatever emotions you felt, there's something that you need to know. The quarantine didn't invent any new emotions for you. The quarantine revealed emotions that were already within you. 
The quarantine did not invent or did not place any new emotions in you. The quarantine revealed and brought to the surface and made more intense some of the emotions that were already inside of you. This is important to understand, and I've, I've talked about it before. See, the quarantine was a bump. Imagine, imagine that you're holding a glass full of, full of beads, and along comes something that bumps you as you're holding a glass full of beads, and that the beads represent everything of your life. And when you get bumped, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of stuff starts to spill out and spill out and spill out and spill out. And you go, oh my gosh, I don't like that stuff that spilled out because of the bump. I don't like that stuff that spilled out when I got bumped. And our natural response is to blame the bump. The bump is what caused all this bad stuff to come out of us. But here's, what, here's what's true. That stuff came out of you, and I've said this before, the stuff came out of you because it was in you. And so some of the emotions that you felt and that you didn't like and the things that bubbled to the surface that you were not particularly proud of, that you're not particularly happy about, those things, unfortunately, they bubbled to the surface because you got bumped, but, they, but you got bumped and they came out because they were already in you. Fear came out of you because it was in you. Jealousy came out of you because it was in you. Envy came out because it was in you. Insecurity came out because it was in you. All of that stuff came out of you because it was already in you. And so in there, there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is that the quarantine didn't put the emotions in you. The, the quarantine did not make you a worse version of yourself. It didn't put negative emotions in you that you never had before. The bad news though is this, when the quarantine ends, it won't take those emotions out of you. When the quarantine ends, all those negative emotions, they'll still be a part of you. They'll still be in there. You'll still be stuck with those emotions, just waiting for the next bump to come and reveal them. And so if you don't figure out how to process and handle those emotions, it's possible, and I would dare say probable, that the pandemic ends and you'll still be stuck with all the same feelings. So how do we handle our emotions? How do we get unstuck when it comes to our emotions. There's, there's two statements that I think we need to understand and, and two statements that are going to form the foundation of, our, of, of, of what we're going to move forward with today. And unfortunately, in Christian circles, these are two statements that have served and have been taught as contradictions. In other words, they've been taught as things that do not work together, that one is true or the other is true, but they are not both simultaneously true. And here's the two statements. Here's the way most of us are taught these two things. It's either your emotions are legitimate or you don't have to be controlled by your emotions. Either your emotions are legitimate or you don't have to be controlled by your emotions. In Christian circles, for way too long, we have made this an either-or proposition. The either-or, that either we acknowledge all emotions and say that everything is legitimate, but if they're legitimate, we essentially are slaves to our emotions, or we dismiss the validity of emotions so that they don't control us. And here's what we've accidentally taught when we, taught, when we teach this contradiction. We've accidentally taught that if emotions are legitimate, they do and will control us. And that's a problem. And that's a problem. And I don't think this is an either or thing. And the reason that I don't think this is an either or thing is that I think for Jesus followers, for people who are following Jesus, Jesus has set a better example. He, is, he didn't, when Jesus lived on the earth, he didn't set an either or exam, example when it came to emotions. He set an and example. Jesus set, emotion, set an example that your emotions are legitimate and you don't have to be controlled by your emotions. That your emotions are legitimate and you don't have to be controlled 
by your emotions. And when I say that following Jesus, I actually mean following the example that Jesus set for us. See, Jesus set the ultimate example of feeling every human emotion, but not, but never being controlled by his emotion. Let me give you a couple examples of that. See, Jesus got angry. There were times in scripture where Jesus got angry. You're thinking, no, no, no. Jesus was a nice guy. Jesus was the wonderful, peaceful savior. No, no, no. Sometimes Jesus got angry. One time that, there are a couple times that are recorded that Jesus got angry. It tells us that Jesus got really angry when he saw religious people using sick people as pawns in their game to try to trick Jesus into doing or saying something wrong. And Jesus got so angry that you know what he did? He got so angry that he healed the people in front of him. In other words, he felt the anger, but he wasn't overcome and controlled by the anger. Jesus felt overwhelmed by crowds. And in his moments of greatest overwhelmedness, I'm not sure if that's even a word, but his greatest overwhelmedness, Jesus actually performed and displayed some of his greatest miracles. Immediately after we're told that he felt overwhelmed and felt like he needed, needed to escape from the crowds, those were some of the moments of his greatest miracles. Jesus was constantly misunderstood and questioned by the crowds and by the crowds around him, and yet Jesus never once turned on the crowds. Jesus felt betrayal, but he didn't give up when he experienced betrayal. Jesus felt loneliness as his 12 closest friends all distanced them th- themselves from him and, will, and still chose to pay for their lives on the cross. Jesus felt distant from God, but still accomplished God's purpose on the cross. This, this is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is our Lord and Savior. If you're a Jesus follower, this is your Lord. This is your Savior. This is our example to follow, that you can feel every emotion that's out there, but you do not have to be controlled and your actions do not need to be dictated by your emotion. This is our example. This is also where Paul got the precedent that he talked about in Ephesians chapter 4 last week. And when we read it, we were talking about anger and we were talking about forgiveness. But I want to read this in in this understanding of, of emotions. What Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, he said this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And what's amazing about this passage is you could literally put in any human emotion into into those blanks where there's angry and anger. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You could put any human emotion in there and the meaning of the verse would not change because Paul's ultimate point was not about anger. It was about human emotion and our response to our emotions. It was was about about that we have a choice with how we respond to what we feel. So you could put in, be lonely and do not let your loneliness drive you towards sin. Be heartbroken and in your heartbreak, don't sin. Grieve, but don't let your grief drive you away from God. And what Paul is saying is incredibly clear. You don't have a choice of what you feel, but you always have a choice of how you respond to your feelings. A great way to remember this is simply this, that we don't choose our emotions, but our emotions always leave us with choices. We don't choose our emotions. You don't choose your emotions and I don't choose our emotions. We don't choose our emotions, but our emotions always leave us with choices. So you you, you won't have a choice in what you feel, but you will always have a choice in the aftermath of your feelings, in the aftermath of your emotions. You do not have to be controlled by your emotions. You can choose to follow Jesus in and through every emotion that you will ever feel. And Paul, in writing a different letter to a different group of people, 
gives us an incredible example of what it could look like for us to feel everything that we will feel as human beings, but not be controlled and not have our actions be dictated by our feelings. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul modeled for us what it looks like to get unstuck emotionally. In, in Philippians 4, it says this, starting in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And you're thinking like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rejoice always. I don't think so, buddy. I don't know how much of life you've experienced. I don't know. I don't know if you've just never really felt any pain, but there's not like a, you can't just always rejoice. You can't throw your head in the sand and just look away from all the bad things in life. Like, who are you, Paul, to tell us to rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I'll say rejoice. Who are you, Paul? And I think Paul would look at, at, at all of us who say that and feel that and would express that. And Paul would say, look, I, I, I get where you're coming from. But I want to remind you that I'm writing this from a Roman jail. I'm writing this from a Roman jail, which means I'm in Roman prison right now. I've experienced some of life. And by the way, on the way here, the ship that was sending me to Roman jail, it shipwrecked in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. Oh, and by the way, um, I've, I've been run out of multiple cities because people were trying to kill me. Um, the people who were all my best friends as I grew up and as I went through college, they have tried to kill me on multiple occasions. I've received the lashes. I, I've been run out of towns. I've been beaten. I've been like, I mean, like I've had all this stuff. And by the way, also I've written in my other letters about a thorn in my flesh that God refuses to heal. And, and some people think that means like migraines. Oh, by the way, I lost my sight for a while. And some people think it might be connected to migraines. And some people think it might be that I had an overbearing or nagging wife. Like I've experienced some of life, buddy. I think Paul would say, I've experienced some of life. I've experienced enough to know that life does not always go well. And yet I will still say, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. That even when circumstances around me leave very little to rejoice about, I can still rejoice about the fact that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my Lord. He set me free from sin. And I know my Heavenly Father and I'm connected to my Heavenly Father because of what Jesus has done for me. My eternity is secured. Jesus is on the throne. Like, I'm okay even when life circumstances are not. And so I can rejoice in the Lord always. Even when I can't rejoice in how good life has been, I can still rejoice in the Lord and in what he has done for me. Let's go on to verse five. It says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. See, these are the types of verses that we should really be leaning into as Jesus followers in times like this, through, through stretches like this, where life gets bumpy. He says, let your reasonableness be known to to everyone. Paul is saying that as Christ followers, you will be known and marked by something. There will be something that people will know and look at and go, oh, Jesus followers, well, they are rather this. And Paul says, what I want Christians to be known for, I want us to be known for our reasonableness. I, I want people to, I want Christians to have the reputation of being the most reasonable people. Not because we don't feel what's going on in the world around us, not because we don't experience what goes, what's going on in the world around us, but because when we see and we feel what's going on around us and when the emotions get big, we're still able to think clearly. We're still able to make rational decisions. We're still, we're, we're not over, we feel all the feelings, but we're not overcome by the feelings so that we can't function. We're still able to function in and through everything that comes our way. So he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Then he goes on and says this. He says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And they said, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ 
Jesus. Here's something important to understand. God brings peace when we pray. God brings peace when we pray. Now, I know there are times when pray is not the answer to emotional and mental health stuff. I get that. And I know that there are people who have been genuinely hurt by that oversimplification. Because let's be honest, sometimes things can get so hard mentally that you don't need prayer, you need a pill. Sometimes you need prayer and a, and a session with your, with your counselor or your therapist. Like that, like th that is an absolute reality. But at the same time, Paul seemed to think that sometimes the only way that we could experience peace in our hearts and our minds was to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our attention off all of the things going on around us and return our attention to our Heavenly Father and the peace that only He can provide. And He provides it to us as we communicate with Him, as we bring our concerns and our requests and our baggage and our stuff and our emotions, and we talk to Him about all of that. And as we quiet ourselves so that we can hear him speak back to us in return. See, Paul calls this the peace which surpasses all understanding. And I wish I could understand. I mean, in, 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 even as he says, it's the peace that passes understanding. I wish I could understand how this works, how we pray to God and we get peace. We pray to God and we get peace. But I think the fact that Paul calls it the peace that surpasses understanding leads us to understand that we may never actually understand how it works, but we're simply called to it. Though it's the peace that passes understanding. And it simply means there's a peace that God has and that God can provide that does not make sense. It's an irrational peace. It's an illogical peace that when everything in your life is, is falling apart, everything is flying around, and everything in your life would lead you to say to just go, you know what? Just go crazy. Just lose it. Just, just fly off the handle. God has something better. God has real and lasting peace, because it's not peace based on your circumstances. It's peace based on his personality and his character and who he is. In verse 8 and 9, it tells us this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul reminds us of something that we should all know, but we can very quickly forget. And even when we know it and we haven't forgotten it, we can very easily ignore it. See, this, the truth is simply this. You cannot have positive emotions while paying attention to negative things. See, some of us, and let's be honest, we pay so much attention to the things that fuel and trigger all kinds of negative emotions. We pay so much attention to that same person's profile on Facebook. And every time we go there, it fuels jealousy or anger or insecurity about what we don't have, about the vacations they go on, about the vacations we don't go on, about how skinny they are, about how muscular they are, about how they look and the clothes that we don't have. We, we spend so much time going to those same profiles and we're fueling the negative emotions as we do that. We spend time watching shows and movies with people who are lost and broken and then wonder why we feel lost or broken. And for some of us, let's be totally honest, over the last few, five months, we have constantly fed ourselves bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And then we wonder why we feel so helpless and feel so hopeless. And I'm just saying, for some of you, it's time to pay attention to what you pay attention to. And for those of you who are, who are English teachers or nerds uh, and, and just had a little bit of a heart attack because of the way I said that, let me give you a way to say that, that that is grammatically correct. Pay attention to that which you pay attention. Pay attention 
to what you pay attention to. Pay attention to that which you pay attention. Paul says, look, if you want to experience the peace of God, pray. But at the same time, don't pray and then turn around and fuel your emotions and fuel your thoughts with things that will lead you away from the peace that God has just given you. Fuel your thoughts with, with the things that God has created that are good. Fuel your thoughts and your emotions with the things that God has created that are good for you to pay attention to. He says, focus your attention on things that are honorable, pure, things that are lovely. He's like, I mean, like, look, you should go watch a New Mexico sunset. If you're worried about how the world is doing, just go watch a New Mexico sunset because it's lovely. Whatever is commendable, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever people speak well of. This, this is such a big deal. Some of you, you need to put the phone down as soon as certain service is over and not pick it up again until next Sunday. Some of you, you need to delete some playlists from your Spotify. Some of you, you need to delete some apps from your phone. Some of you, you need to turn down the volume on some of the voices that you have allowed to influence you in this season or in any season of your life because they are fueling the negative emotions that you then have to deal with. They get to say what they want and they do not have to live with the emotions that it brings up in you. You do. And if you're living with the, with, with the emotions that arise because of things that they're saying, you can turn down the volume. You don't cut off relationship, but you can turn down the volume and how much influence you give them in your life and in your emotions. It's time for all of us to begin to pay attention to the things that we give attention to. And then in verse 10 through 13, there's this, this last little bit that Paul says. He says, how I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, he says, for, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And he says, for I can do everything who Christ, who gives me strength. Paul begins by, by this, this section by, by saying, look, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're showing concern because remember, Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. Circumstances have not gone well for Paul. But then Paul says something that's so powerful. He says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And what Paul brings us to is something, it's so strong, it should actually make the hair on the back of our necks and the hair on our arms stick up. It, it, it should make our, uh, us really wake up and pay attention. Paul did not trust in outcomes. Paul did not trust in outcomes. Paul trusted in God. And to place it in the context of our discussion today, Paul's emotions were not determined by the outcomes of his life. Paul's emotions were determined by the steady faithfulness of God. Paul's emotions were not determined by the outcomes of life. Paul's emotions were determined by the steady faithfulness of God. Here's what you and I know, that for most of us, it's far too easy to let our life go up and down and up and down and up and down and our emotions are up and the next day they're down and the next day they're up and the next day they're down. And the reason, and, and sometimes we feel close to God and other times we feel, feel far from God, close to God, far from God, feel like God's being good, feel like God's not being so good. And when we do that, here's what it ultimately reveals about us. It reveals that we have confused the goodness of life with the faithfulness of of God, that we've confused the goodness of life with the faithfulness of God. So today life was pretty good, means today God was faithful, which means that today I know that I can trust God with all kinds of areas of my life and that God will be good. But you know, four days ago, four days ago, life wasn't very good, which means that God wasn't faithful. 
And if he wasn't faithful back then, I mean, can I really trust him today? Can I trust him with my emotions? Can I trust him with my responses? Can I trust that I can follow whatever he says and it will be best for me? Can I, can I trust all of that? And I just want to say, look, I, I, I get that. I have been there. But what Paul teaches is, is this, simply this, that as long as you equate the goodness of life and the faithfulness of God, your emotions will be a roller coaster. And you'll find yourself feeling very real emotions and swimming, swinging up and down big time because of them actually being controlled by them. But when you can understand that life can be brutal, but Jesus is still our risen Savior, that life can be hard and your sin is still pardoned, that life can throw haymakers, but your eternity is still secured, that bad news can come your way, but God is still on the throne, I'm just telling you that when you know that, that when you know that, that that you don't swing up and down because you know that God is in control and God is faithful. You don't swing up and down. You don't go all, all over the place. Your life and your emotions are not a roller coaster. Your responses, your reactions to the things that you feel, they're not a roller coaster because at the end of the day, one thing remains steady, one thing remains sure, one thing remains constant, that God is in control and God is faithful. That was key for Paul and that's key for you and for me in 2020 and in all of our days to come. See, that's how you get unstuck emotionally. Paul gives us the roadmap. Here's the first step. If you're stuck emotionally today, here's your game plan. Number one, you understand that your emotions are real and that they don't have to control you. Number two, you understand that while you may not choose your emotions, they leave you with a choice of how you respond. Number three, understand that you feed your emotions with your attention so that you choose wisely what you pay attention to. And finally, you understand that the faithfulness of God is not determined by the goodness of life but the the faithfulness of God is determined by what he was willing to do for you when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. That while you were still stuck in your sin, God sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for your sin, to die on a cross, to pay for your sin. Because you weren't just bad, you were dead in your sin. And then when Jesus raised to new life, when he came out of the grave, when he was resurrected, he came out with resurrection life for me and for you and for every one of us. That while we were stuck in our sins, he came to show us a new way. He came to die so that the old way could die with him. And he raised to life so that a new way could be available for every single one of us. If you're wondering about the faithfulness of God through a difficult time, God has shown his faithfulness. He showed it on the cross and he has shown it again and again. And he wants to do that for you right now. So let's get unstuck. Let's get unstuck from our sins by trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's get unstuck emotionally by following the example that he set. And let's get unstuck in any way that that we have allowed ourselves to get stuck that has caused us to not experience what God has for us in the here and now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are so good. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the example that he set for us, that our emotions and our feelings are legitimate, they are real, and it's okay to feel everything that we feel. And God, thank you for the example he set that we do not have to be controlled and our, our actions do not have to be dictated by our emotions simply because we feel them. So God, I, I simply pray that for all of us, would you give us incredible wisdom to know what, what this means for us in, in our loneliness, in our sadness, in our, in our helplessness, in our fear, in our insecurity, in our jealousy, in our envy, in all of the emotions that so many of us have felt at, during this time. God, would you help us to know what, where this lands and what, what this addresses for us? And God, I pray that you would give us courage to act on what we know that we're supposed to do. Help us to have the courage to follow Jesus 
so that we can get unstuck in our emotions. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.